0: and if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Topia starts now.
1: All right. Well, Hello, good morning. <laughs> good morning, good morning.
0: Scrambling as usual. Scrambling
1: as usual, but we always manage. Cheers.
0: Cheerios to Cheers. Our viewers out there.
1: Cheers to our little behind the scenes producer over here. Oh yeah. Sonya.
0: in the zone. In the zone. <laughs> she doesn't really care about watching. us at the moment. <laughs> so how's it going? She how loves works.
1: when we do these shows. She gets to watch TV without interruption. Watch YouTube <laughs> without interruption. Well no,
0: she's watching Netflix right now. So yeah, that. Netflix, okay. Okay. so there you go. There
1: you go. I hate what so... she watches that crap.
0: Yes, but kids love it. Kids love it.
1: Yeah, they do, they do. <laughs> they do.
0: <laughs> how are you? How was your week?
1: Good, good, good. All right. I got my favorite shirt on today.
0: Of course. Oh, I have my tank
1: top. Well, if you guys I'm can see. That. I've wear it often. Lost my can you even see it, keys though. in a boating accident. It's Did definitely you? definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's uh quickly give an update here. Yeah. Monerotopia. It's yeah. like right around the corner.
0: Yes, it is. It's right around the corner. Well, first we have our wedding. Yeah, which is next week, guys. We're our show will be live in Puerto Rico. So stay tuned.
1: During the wedding? We're doing yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Doug will be the only one.
1: Uh, I should surprise you with it. that. We should we should stream you. it live. I will hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah that should be fun. not do that. Yeah, yeah so we'll we, might, better... we might we might kind of get a little quiet over the next week or so because we'll be
0: well next week. Yeah, we leave. Uh, uh. Yeah. But we're still
1: doing the show. We're still yeah. sticking to the schedule. So yeah,
0: anyone that's in that's watching the show and that's in Puerto Rico at some point, um, maybe yeah, try, reach out to us and maybe we can meet up and do a show there probably oh, putting a reddit post to see yeah, you know, throwing it out there to see if uh people want to hang out with us meet up with us
1: yeah so next saturday 11 a.m if anybody's well, it's around. an hour
0: difference so i guess we'll be doing 11 a.m there which is 12 p.m or in, there's an hour difference okay because daylight saving time
1: oh, okay so yeah anybody that's in that area in the puerto rico i mean uh ring we're going to be in the rincon area but if you're rincon. willing to <laughs> sorry how do you pronounce it <laughs> Yeah, you oh, get the rollie, yeah. <laughs> hit us up. Yeah, coming out. Oh, Even yeah. if you're, you know, far away. You want to drive over for Yeah, it's for not that bad.
0: It's like a two hour drive if you're in San Juan. Um, but anyways, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll we could get you that. live on the show. We could have a nice live guest. We like doing that, that's our thing. Yeah, I mean, really? Monero, yeah. Miami, when we're in oh, Miami. Yeah, yeah, so we right. need a Monero, Puerto Rico if you're out there. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure what exists. Yeah, exist. there
0: is a Bitcoin Puerto Rica. There isn't a Monero Puerto Rico. So.
1: Well, last time we were in Puerto Rico, somebody recognized oh, us somebody on the Oh, somebody recognized us on the beach. That, that was hilarious. Really hilarious.
0: From the show. Yeah. So we felt pretty cool and famous.
1: I <laughs> could hit that guy up, maybe. Yeah. But he was in San Juan.
0: So yeah, anyone that's out there. Uh yeah. I guess let them to move on to uh I guess the conference itself, right? So if you haven't bought your tickets yet, buy them. Um we just actually we um posted a recommendation uh uh, hotel recommendations so um, yeah there's yeah. a link
1: we added a link chose the yeah, hotels we I got a deal share. with them i mean the deal's not that great guys just because
0: <laughs> the, <stick>. the
1: <laughs> hotels are expensive in miami yeah. i mean there's no there's no great deal so check out the link hotel recommendations we're staying at the trail wind what is it called it's on trade wind trade winds yeah, that's yeah. one like literally right across the street wins, yeah. from the venue uh that's where we'll be um it's it's a nice place you got little apartments has a pool um but there's two others on there and it's the same the people that run those hotels are the same ones that run the venue so they're giving us a little bit of a deal if uh that's too expensive for you guys another idea is jump in our telegram group monerotopia and try to coordinate with other people that are going down and like grab an airbnb that's probably the cheapest option and, and it's coordinate to get to meet get an people. airbnb you don't need to stay like right walking distance you can stay a little further away too. and share an airbnb oh he put that on there the, yeah, telegram, group? Oh, the good.
0: Monerotopia telegram group to coordinate with other attendees
1: go back to the main event but yeah but events like we're we're pretty much there guys in terms of uh we have all the content there's a couple of more speakers that we're ironing out and then we'll have to figure out how to fit them in um philip zimmerman i don't know if i brought it up <laughs> on this show the a while ago inventor yeah. of pgp he's uh very interested in coming <laughs> you've been he, chatting with him yeah he's very he, we have phone calls
0: you vibe, like I,
1: I butt dialed him at like 2 a.m a few weeks ago <laughs> that, was <funny. laughs> that was classic we <laughs> just heard phil Zimmerman's voice we're like who who is that and i like pick up my phone it and, <laughs> and we called him like two in the morning facetime it was like three in the morning his time sorry about that man um <laughs> But yeah, he's he's interested in participating, but he wants, to, you know, he's used to getting paid to speak. So we're trying to figure that out if we get a sponsor for that. I think that would excite the Monero community to get him there. But we already have an amazing lineup. There's a couple of other potential big names. So we're there with the speakers. Uh, we're there with the vendors, although anybody else wants to do any vending, hit us up free of charge. We're not like charging vendors. We just want you to come out there. You just have to sell your stuff for Monero. We have a couple of good ones up there already. Um, hit us up for that. And so, yeah, missing really the last piece is just having an amazing crowd. So buy tickets, spread the word. If you want to help us out, the best yeah, way to help to us out, out, out is spreading the word on um, Monerotopia, getting people to come. There's going to be a ton of people in town for Bitcoin. Spread the word to those people. Uh, anybody with half a brain that's in Bitcoin would want to check this out as well. Yeah.
0: And and if you want to help us out behind the scenes, please do reach out to um, at Monerotopia at ctemplar.com
1: all right so let's uh let's keep it moving because I know people have to yeah but time or, time is limited right
0: yeah unfortunately I see uh well we have our price report Mr W but it looks like he's not on just yet okay so I guess we'll just move on to uh the guest segment I guess right because uh, yeah have you been let's do guest segment righty let's do that the Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake wallet store send Receive and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys.
1: All right. Well, oh, I guess we on. we actually have uh, two guests today. Yeah, we do. But you want to you want to get them? Um, all right, we'll do we'll do one at a time.
0: We'll do a one at a time, so we'll have a suspense. <laughs> Who's next?
1: <laughs> What's going on, man? Hey guys, uh, how's on. it going?
0: Good. How are you? you yeah,
2: doing well. It's a bit, it's a bit late here down under. If you can't tell by my accent, I'm Australian. So um, yeah, it's about three a.m. here, but I stay up late, so it's fine.
1: I gotta wow. say, now that I'm yeah. seeing you person, I think we met years ago at a at a Monero party that we threw in New York. Yeah, I remember that one actually. Yeah, how's it going, man? Yeah, really good,
2: really yeah, good.
0: That's yeah, right.
2: Really- <laughs> yeah we were there we were there um as loki but we've changed our name since then we're now called oxen um but obviously been in this space like in the monero ecosystem for like four years now so been a significant amount of time working alongside monero people and um, getting to know them so it's good to be on the show finally
1: you want to give a quick explanation of Loki and Oxen and Session and how they all relate and, wh- and what exactly it is you're working on these days?
2: Yeah, so uh, a lot of people would have heard of us under the name Loki. So that was originally a fork of Monero and still is to this day. Um, pushed um, quite a few commits upstream that are in Monero source code now as well, um, including IPv6 support for Monero as well. Now we're kind of working more on some of our ecosystem applications and diverging a bit more from Monero. Um, Basically focused on building this second layer out on top of the Monero, um, or on top of the Monero source code called the service Network, which allows us to build other applications on top of that layer. Um, So we're building an application called Session now, which you might've heard of as well, if you're in the privacy ecosystem. And that's kind of built, off this second layer of nodes that we run um, from, you know, essentially something that's a modified version of the Monero source code.
1: Yes, yeah, session definitely have heard of it. Um, actually, the guy that I bought my custom-made Monero miner off of uh, added session to, to it as well to the computer. So I'll nice. start. I'll start messing around with that. You want to quickly explain how it works and maybe how it's different than some of these other, you know, end-to-end encrypted chat messaging systems
2: yeah so there's kind of three larger components to it first it doesn't require any phone numbers so the messaging applications that people mostly rely on in the anonymity community tend to be signal and wicker and apps like these which tend to require a phone number or an email address we wanted to steer away from that as much as possible so we just use a public private key pair, which counts as your identity and you can send people and encrypt messages for people based on that keypad. It's called a session ID. Um, second, we onion route all of the um, network traffic that goes in between your phone or your computer and the network, um, which obviously hides your IP address um, from being linked to the messages that you're that you're sending. Um, and third, instead of having a kind of centralized architecture where you're speaking to a central server, um, we actually use this service node network, which I was talking about before, which is about 1,800 nodes that you connect up to and store your messages on and talk to instead of talking to like our central servers. So those are kind of the biggest differences between us and say something like Signal.
1: And so are there downsides with the system like that in terms of, you know, compared to one of these more centralized versions? Is it as scalable? Is it as user-friendly?
2: Yeah, it's it's fairly scalable and fairly user-friendly. Most of the downside has been on the additional software development side of things when you don't have a central server to deal with you have to be much careful much more careful about how you manage state so when signal talks to its central servers they have all of the messages stored on there and can provide you like a fully up-to-date Um, you know, conversation list and everything like that. With us, we can't rely on single nodes to store messages. So the states can become inconsistent and the software has to deal with that in an elegant way where the user doesn't become confused about what's happening. So we've spent a lot of time getting to a point where you can talk to this decentralized server um, infrastructure without you really knowing that it's decentralized at all because we ultimately want to provide the experience that using a centralized messenger is like but just the back end is different
1: yeah very cool man very cool so are there other projects what like what most closely compares to what you guys are doing is it are you guys kind of your own beast
2: we kind of think that we are our own beast there's elements of like i think the closest in the market would be signal although they're not doing anything decentralized maybe Uh, like in terms of like the encryption and the standards that we're pushing forward, like I think we're closest to Signal. Um, Maybe on the decentralized side, we'd be closest to something like Briar, which has been used for a while. And they're like a Tor based like routing messenger. And then maybe on the, like, storage component, maybe something like BitMessage, um, we're kind of similar to. So we kind of have taken the what we thought in the initial design phase were, like, the best parts of each Messenger that we liked and kind of joined them together. You know, we're hoping that it's going to hit the market and we're seeing the numbers right now to to back that up as well that people are interested in in the unique kind of placement that we have
1: yeah i think people are very interested in this like i said i haven't tried it out yet i'll get it up and running i want to see how easy it is to to get to to get going now are there are there apps yet is there like iphone app and and, oh really okay Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah um we're on every single platform so ios android and desktop so desktop linux mac um, and windows
1: too. So like some getting started on iOS is literally kind of just as simple as any other messenger, just a little different in that you're creating this private key. I I would actually
2: say it's, it's nearly simple. It's almost more simple than other messaging applications because you don't have to verify your phone number. Like you just kind of download the application, generate a key. You don't even have to back it up at the time. You can back it up later. So the onboarding experience is almost easier than. A centralized messaging application.
1: Awesome. <laughs> now, are there are there rooms yet? Are there like you know? Can you create rooms like kind of like Telegram type rooms? Yeah.
2: So there's two types of rooms that we have. We have um, closed groups, which are basically they're fully end to end encrypted. Um, like groups where, you know, only the end participants or the participants in the chat can read the messages. And then we have bigger open groups. So those are a hundred messages plus. And the biggest one I think we have right now is 5,000 members. Because at that scale where you have 5,000 members, it doesn't really make sense to encrypt the conversations anymore because a single bad person can just take the whole transcript of the chat and leak Mm -hmm. it to anyone. So when you're doing these more like broadcasty channels or more like, yeah, informational channels. It, it just makes sense to make them more censorship resistant, which we've tried to do. Um, so yeah, we have a number of official channels. You'll see those in the applications and then people can host their own servers to run whatever channel they want. Um, so there's channels ranging from session discussion to politics to language discussion, food. You know, there's channels for quite a few things now. And all, um, you know, we only run four of the channels and there's probably a hundred out there. So cool, yeah. Man.
1: So I guess we gotta get a Monero maybe we have to do our Monerotopia channel over there. We're we're just starting to get some momentum yeah. in and tell our <laughs> telegram on, but we'd love to help sure uh, push this initiative, get people over there to, to Yeah, totally. To, um yeah, that's awesome, man. You you coming down to Monerotopia?
2: I'm I'm not sure yet. Like we the restrictions in Australia are still like up in the air i mean they have opened the border now i think um but and hopefully i'll be able to get back in but i don't know exactly what they're gonna do with the omicron stuff Mm. that's been going on you know australia's always been like pretty strict on border restrictions but hopefully hopefully i can get there i don't think there's any legal impediment right now i'm just not sure i haven't looked
1: yeah maybe we could get you involved though somehow i mean uh obviously i I love i love what you guys are working on um and i love your your monero roots (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, yeah let's talk more about that offline we'd love to uh, see if there's some way we can get you involved in Topia. yeah totally. i think most people in monero kind of already uh are you know about you um uh, but it'd be cool to to kind of team up a little bit with that and sh- show our support of obsession what you guys are doing very cool yeah awesome should we yeah, uh let's go to the,
0: the price report we're gonna right? we're but gonna
1: jump to the price can you stay no, on for a little bit you got you got some time Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Yeah, stay up. We're
0: gonna jump on it. The Monero Topia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer to peer. All right, Mr. W. Hello, hello. Can you hear us? Cannot. Hello, Mr. W. Mr. W, you there? I think he was setting off. Oh
3: no, he's there. There
1: we go. Hey, what's going on, man? What's
3: What's up, guys?
0: Thank you for
1: joining us. It's been a hell of a week, huh? (laughs)
3: No, man, it's just really crazy. But the charts actually look better this week than they did last
1: okay yeah tell us what's going on i was i was baffled by the fact that you know the market bounced back as as hard and fast as it did
3: same yeah we were expecting some lower prices uh over the course of this week just because all the craziness is going on but i mean markets held up very well and i think the privacy coins held up well because again there's just a slow the slow kind of learning curve playing out as far as as the different Uh, you know, assets inside of crypto and what each one can do, use cases and that kind of thing. And privacy is definitely uh, starting to get more attention and will, um, in my opinion, over the coming months. So this is a good start. You know, I think we look at the daily chart right here. We have um, the lows from back in January, uh, and then we had a lower high here, which kept market structure bearish for another run to the downside, which we saw last week. Although here we have on this eight candle, you can see the eight above, which signals that as far as this indicator the td goes that we're close to a bottom and so in this candle formation right here this rejection off of these lows so we create a new regional lows right here below this low but it got rejected right back to the upside that's typically a very bullish sign and this could be what's called a wyckoff spring meaning this is the ultimate low of this whole cycle right here hmm. possible not guaranteed but certainly possible and now we follow up that candle with a blue SCMR reversal signal indicating that price action is saying that we could have a sustainable reversal back to the upside here, um, at least on the, this U, the USD pair. So we hit 132, and I was saying uh, for TCV, between 130 and 150 was probably where you wanted to be active if you felt like getting into a trade on the long side. Um, and that turned out to be right. Now we're back at around 160. Um Hitting a little bit of short-term resistance, but the count here is flipped back to green. Volume is looking better. Here, if we look at money flow, we've gone slightly positive with a little uptrend, which is nice. We have a, a big, nice MACD bullish divergence here. You can see we had lows here and MACD, the histogram here went down to about negative nine, negative 10. Here we have a lower low on this eight, like I said, but we only got down on MACD to you know call it negative four or five. So that's a bullish divergence, um, indicating there's some hidden strength there. Um, And we also see that in the momentum uh, oscillators here in RSI. See, here's your January low. Here's the low here on RSI, which is a higher high. I mean, a higher low. That's bullish. So next level we would be looking at is about 170. That's the falling 50 SMA. And then 185, which is where we have old resistance dots right here. But in the scheme of things, this really looks like a pretty clean double bottom, again, with Wyckoff Spring. And so we have everything we need really right here to – to create a sustainable bottom. I doubt that we just, like I said, ripped to the upside um, You know, over the next few days, but over the next couple weeks, uh, I'll be looking for, for upside here. Um, if we look at the weekly chart here, we see another nice bounce off of the 200 SMA like we saw here. That sparked a little rally, but this was still on a red TD count, which is bearish. So we had a, a roll over here, but now we have a green one. We held the 200. Nice, what we call a hammer candle right here, which typically... Indicates a reversal and a blue S M R reversal candle here, which we need confirmation on. But this looks better than than the bottom dip back here. So, over the coming you know few months, barring any kind of crazy macro stuff, uh, I do think we get a pretty decent rally here. And we see that in money flow has been positive through this whole thing, meaning that on a longer term time frame, larger players are accumulating um, right in this demand area. So again, I like I like this area. You know, I think it's possible again if we get you know some crazy like russia goes into western europe or something like that then you're getting you probably get a shot at 100 120 but ultimately i think we're very close to cycle bottom here and we can start building a base to to move up higher um on the usd pair so
1: yeah that's, that's yeah. a good point i'm thinking there might you know right there could be there could be some some another another major event right related to what's going on in ukraine that
3: pulls us back to obviously nobody knows but um uh, certainly would've, and would've that's tri- possible and I, I i would view that you know given the reaction we saw last week i would view that as a huge opportunity because obviously the market at least the market for cryptos seems to be accepting whatever this news is no matter how bad pretty well
1: mm-hmm. how about like a uh you know they come out and say uh sanctions kicking them off kicking russia off the swift network right because that's something we've heard that's being talked about it hasn't happened yet as far as right i don't, I don't believe they yeah they move to that level yet no what what do you think of the effect on the market
3: uh, i think it would be somewhat delayed i mean you might even have an initial reaction to the downside just because there's going to be this narrative of oh bitcoin monero crypto is used is you know being used by this essentially What's being treated as a rogue state, and uh, and so you might have just some initial kind of traditional finance reaction like that. But as the market realizes that it's an avenue for not only Russia but any country that's kind of in a position to be sanctioned by the West as an outlet, you know, to survive, I think when the market prices that in over time, that's hyper bullish. You know, I think it would kind of be the same thing with a, another attack or another you know invasion or something where you have this initial just gut reaction of the markets, everything stocks. You know currencies everything to the downside but then as people start to digest and process what's happened like like happened on friday thursday friday with the market just ripping to the upside people start to go wait crypto is actually something that you know has a use of a very uh strong use case and uh you know, geopolitical situation like this so um i would stay bullish and i would use dips on panics to continue to accumulate, accumulate. yeah yeah honestly cool, yeah man. yeah um,
1: I, I hate to say I'm hoping for another little dip cuz uh you know that would probably mean something bad happened but it, w- it would be right. it would be nice to uh to see something where we could pick up some more cheap coins.
3: Definitely, you know, and I mean I think typically when we see turns in the market like you know we've had boy it's been months and months and months of bear market action right at the bottoms you know right when things are turning is when you get everybody that wants the dip, you know. So when it's like when it's scary and everything's going down, everybody's scared to buy, but then when you get you kind of sense you're getting close to something in terms of a bottom, and then everybody's like, "Oh, I'm going to buy the next dip after the bottom," but then it never comes. <laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, I, I was just shocked by how
3: fast it, it bounced back, though. Right? It was just like, "What?" Really?
1: Was all the whole the whole market too, right? It was just
3: it was wild. Yes, wild. Oh, I mean, and the volatility is is uh, kind of discouraging if you just are like watching it from a day to day perspective. But you know, like like if we zoom out to this weekly chart, you can barely see it on here, and so it's really. You know, at the end of the day, this stuff seems scary while it's happening, but markets are pretty efficient, have a you know, a pretty good way of, of pricing in a lot of this stuff, despite not you know all the uncertainty, honestly. What, uh, what do you think
1: of the fact that Bitcoin really is not behaving as digital gold? If anything, it's the opposite, right? We're seeing it move in the opposite direction of gold. We saw that spike in gold when there was that kind of doom and gloom moment. People didn't know how bad things were going to get. Gold completely rallied. Bitcoin and the rest of the market went the opposite direction; it all dumped. Uh, yeah. Then things recovered. People saw it kind of clear skies ahead, and once again, Bitcoin just went up with the market. So it's kind of acting the opposite as gold, like whatever risk. It's a risk on asset, yeah. right? So, right. Um, yeah. And I see
3: that out. as like an intentional kind of narrative push by the establishment in order to get people to believe that crypto, Bitcoin, is a risk is a risk asset in order to kind of neuter it a little bit you know during this pretty key crucial time for you know what should be for for bitcoin and so i think that that's like a that's a that's a push by the banks and by the by tradfi institutions in order to slow down adoption and investment in crypto and so but you know gold's gold is just such an old school safe haven asset that investors are already trained to treat gold as kind of a safe haven during times of uncertainty for hundreds of years. Whereas, you know, crypto is still developing its own narratives internally and externally. And it's pretty easy to just, you know, print up some articles. Oh, hey, Bitcoin is, you know, the new risk barometer. And then everybody on Wall Street goes, oh, yeah, sure it is. And then stocks go down and they just start selling everything. So I think it I think it's a temporary thing. I think, again, the market kind of takes some time to wake up to, to these to the truth a lot of the time. Um, but when it does that, you know, that gets priced in pretty quickly. Um but I think it's a, I think it's a tactic. I, I I don't I don't think there's any anybody out there that actually believes that Bitcoin is a hyper risk asset in times of global uncertainty. I think most savvy investors know, believe, and know that it's a, a true safe haven, much more so than gold. But it's still so young, and we're still so quote unquote we're still so early um, that it's easy, I think, for the establishment to portray these narratives in order to um, kind of inhibit growth. Mm boy, it's, it is certainly a threat at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's an
1: interesting take. And then how about the the digital cash narrative? Uh, so we saw with the trucker convoy, Bitcoin really being exposed is not, the great, uh, greatest, greatest technology to use if you're trying to do censorship-resistant private transactions. Yeah. Uh, if you're a dissident and you're trying to tr- trying to raise funds, probably not the best thing to use. Do you think we're going to see another moment like that now with what's going on in Ukraine? We're seeing funds getting raised with Bitcoin. Of Bitcoin getting sent to uh, Ukrainians. You think there's going to be some kind of moment there where there's this, once again a realization, and at, at some point you think it's going to start to be priced into the market where people say, "Wait a minute, Bitcoin isn't fun- doesn't really provide this utility."
3: Yeah, absolutely, well for sure. Yeah, I think that um, again, it, that's probably a slow process, but uh, but yeah, I think the uh, one of the main things I think that why privacy coins and Monero and particular have had a hard time catching a real sustainable bid, despite all the reasons, you know, geopolitically why it should is because a lot of investors are still, unfortunately, super scared of regulation of just like outright bans of privacy coins or banning of non-custodial wallets or, you know, just a number of government actions when, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't make a lot of sense in that, you know, crypto is meant to thrive in that environment this, you know, if governments are cracking down, that's why things like Monero exist, so that we can still you know have the freedom to transact. But I think that's that's there's still this again, there's this training by by old older school and you know bigger traditional investors that governments still are in total control of all this stuff and you know if they're going to come out with legislation banning or restricting use of privacy cryptocurrencies then that you know that would have a negative effect short term on the market even though i think long term again it would prove the use case um so i think it just has a lot of people still nervous and so you know i don't know how that gets resolved necessarily other than maybe just continue to you know do its thing in the face of these these crises but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think I think it's, you know, people are still scared of the space overall, and particularly privacy coins, just again, because I think there's been this narrative push about dark net markets and how, you know, only evil people are using these things. And so just kind of get over a lot of this this kind of regulatory worry. And just, again, we need a narrative shift back to the truth from, you know, kind of what the media portrays, these shadowy figures using privacy coins,
1: <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, good points, good points. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like... they. They want people using. They want people using Bitcoin at this yeah, point. They're, right? not, they're not afraid of Bitcoin. Uh, really? It Doesn't really um, dis- disrupt disrupt the state uh, as much as uh, as claimed among the BTC maxis. It seems really? like they're okay with people using Bitcoin. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say with regards to price before we uh, before we move on? Maybe yeah. XR to BTC.
3: Nah, no, not really. I mean, so, yeah, just on the BTC pair, TD9 signaling a bottom. Here we have a higher low. Another reversal candle counts flip. So, I mean, I'm feeling, you know, this this very well could be a double bottom on the BTC pair, too. So, I'll, I'll be watching over the next few weeks, mainly this pair, because I want to see XMR start to outperform BTC. And then the USD pair, you know, follows along with that. But this is kind of the relative pair that I want to watch to see if what we were just talking about, if, you know, if we're gaining some traction in terms of real world use cases and, and uh, you know, crises like we have now.
1: When you say so, maybe a double bottom, is that, that's a positive or a negative? Positive. A very,
3: yeah, very, Not very positive.
1: positive.
3: I think um, Tone Vase always sees double bottoms as a bad thing, right? I've, uh, yeah, I know. Every, <laughs> every technician kind of <laughs> views the market differently in terms of technicals. But so his thing is double bottoms and double tops are meant to be broken. Well, essentially, you did kind of break this double bottom with this lower low right here, although it didn't hold. So, like, you know, here we have said, you know, we're coming into a double bottom, we're probably gonna break it. We did, but essentially, again, at the end of the day, we ended up holding it, even though there was a slight break of market structure here, which tells me that there's plenty of demand to support us right here. So, you know, kind of trying to compare metrics with the technicals rather than just saying some broad statement like, oh, double bottoms are always broken. I want to try to pair, you know, any kind of demand or bid side metrics I can with the technicals to tell me whether. In fact, a double bottom is going to hold or not, and here it did. Um, and so now I'm I'm expecting uh, higher prices at least over the shorter term. All right, there you have it. Thank there you, you have Thank it. So much, man.
0: Thanks for coming on. Appreciate oh, it. absolutely.
3: Thanks to y'all for having me. And uh, sorry, I was a little delayed. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, worries. Yeah, no worries. No worries. No worries. Got it
0: done. We got it done. Greatly
1: appreciate <laughs> awesome. your time. You're very to the point. Explain things very well. Good stuff. Thank you. Good stuff. All right, awesome.
3: Great. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Cheers. cheers you Matt. too. Thank you cheers. so much awesome. again. Really appreciate it. All right. You got it.
0: Take care. Um, yeah, I guess we'll um, have our second guest.
3: Yeah, let's do another Ooh. guest segment
1: uh, intro. All right, let's Ooh, do it. Let's this do is it. a special show.
0: Ooh, it is. The Monero guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. All right. All right, we got Martha, we
1: our second it. guest.
0: Ooh, Thank you so much for coming on. Are oh, you muted? That, I muted you. That
4: I'm like crazy. hi. It's so thank you guys so much for having me on. No,
1: What's going on? on? How's it
0: going?
4: Ah, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Miami. I'm excited oh. for you guys to come back after your wedding for, yes.
1: this, we for are, this great
4: event that we're gonna have.
1: That that's gonna be our you know that's gonna be our escape. That's our honeymoon, Monerotopia. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, taking her I to Monerotopia. It's a, it's a beautiful exotic wow, place. Guys,
0: everyone should be very jealous. <laughs>
4: you know she's a keeper if she's excited for this. I'm- <laughs>
1: And uh, I think I've, I've tested her limits a oh little, little too far. A little yeah. Too far. But we'll, we'll be okay.
0: But yeah, we'll be fine. I'm excited about it. I'm super excited about this. So, but, uh, yeah, you want great. to give a, a little intro about yourself for those that know who do not know who you are? So, yes, sure. Um, I am Martha Bueno.
4: I am running for Miami-Dade County Commission in not Miami Beach, um, in an area that most people who come to Miami don't come visit. It's Kendall um, out west. And on top of that, I am uh, working on it, my mission to free Cuba by um, giving them Monero, giving them a privacy coin, you know, giving them a way to defeat their government um, using money that the government just can't control.
1: Right on. Yeah, we should say so. Martha is going to be our our opener at Monerotopia Ooh. in Miami. Where's where's the clap? Where's the clap?
0: I cro- know. I, I don't want to. <laughs> the Wait, well,
1: yeah, chance don't know. it. Chance it. Listen.
5: <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: Super excited. We met her down uh, in Miami a few weeks ago when we were at the Bitcoin. What was that? The North American Bitcoin conference. America. Somebody's like, you got to talk to Martha. We, Shout
0: out to Erica. Thank yeah, you.
1: <laughs> we went out, we had lunch. We were blown away. We were blown away. Miami, uh, Monero was blown away as well. I was a bit smitten, I think, as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're super excited to that have worked. you <laughs> super excited to have you. I think you're, you're the perfect opener for Monerotopia, Miami. You want to tell us a little bit more like what your involvement is with the local Cuban community and what's been going on with the Bitcoin conference. Yeah. I know there's some controversy there, you know there is. happening down the block from Monerotopia
4: yes and actually um you guys just brought up the hotels i am going to be booking myself into one of these hotels because as things are holding right now the ability to get onto the beach is in question and so what's happening so before i even get into what's you know happening with cuba and whatnot um the bitcoin conference announced at the beginning of february on february 3rd that they were bringing in eric garcia cruz who um to speak about a platform for Bitcoin called CubaPay, or not for Bitcoin, but it uses Bitcoin. So they were really excited to bring this gentleman from Cuba to speak about a platform that is supposed to revolutionize uh, Cuba, or some some something, right? That that's the goal with with all cryptos. Is how are we going to impact the people that live there? Well, it turns out that Eric Garcia happens to be a secret agent for the Ministry of the Interior in Cuba. So he is a legitimate government agent, to say the least. I have video of him himself saying that he has three years of, of training as a sub-officer, which is basically a non-commissioned officer. Somebody from, you know, the secret police, the people that track Cuban citizens and give this information to the, to the Cuban government. And so what a lot of people don't understand about Cuba is it's legitimately a dictatorship. It's been that way for 63 years. We're talking about brutal repression. We're talking about right now there's 55 children in jail between the ages of 13 and 18 years old. Um, And they were put in jail just simply for protesting their government. So not only is this gentleman coming to Miami, um, but he is somebody who has been involved with repressing their people. And then on top of that, the actual application itself is just, horrific on every level. I don't understand what the Bitcoin conference is doing. And so um, the reason why I'm saying that I think it's going to be a problem to get into Miami Beach is because of our history here in Miami. So first, let's start off that Miami is the largest Cuban diaspora in the world. There's well over a million Cubans here in Miami. And on July 11th, when the protests broke out in Cuba, here in Miami, a lot of people decided to organize by blocking the expressways. This was in support of Cuba. Now imagine when people are really starting to become aware that here in a conference in Miami, we're going to have a legitimate communist who has been responsible for death and you know hurt to a lot of our people. This is not gonna end well. I know that the Bitcoin conference is aware of what I've been saying. And I also am aware that they believe that the reason I'm putting this out there is because they think I wanted this attention for myself which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, anybody that knows me knows that I don't really like public speaking. So the fact that they think that I want to do this to bring it out and, and you know, get a spot wow. on their stage or whatever. And I'm not even the one pushing this. This is coming from the Cuban community themselves, from a lot of influencers that have a reach. I am not one of them. I am just the the one who translates, you know, from Spanish for the more American population. So it's funny that I am the face of this, but nonetheless... It is very true. Eric Garcia is coming. And um, so how is it a bad platform? Well, um, this platform connects people to send remittances. They charge 14 percent of fees. So right there, that's pretty bad. But then um, the people don't actually receive Bitcoin in Cuba. They receive what I like to call as Chuck E. Cheese money, which is MLC. MLC is the coin that the Cuban government has issued That's basically only useful in their stores. It's government money. Again, like Chuck E. Cheese. You go to Chuck E. Cheese and you give them your dollars and they give you a Chuck E. Cheese coin that only works in Chuck E. Cheese. Same thing with the Cuban government. You give them your Bitcoin and they're going to exchange it for this coin called MLC, which you can buy in government stores. This application helps you buy in government stores, helps you buy... You can pay for your electricity, all the go- Cuban government services, your phone, you can uh, fill up you know, your, your minutes on your phone, you can add Wi-Fi. Um, why is this a big deal? Well, Cuba just changed their laws. Their law 143 now says that if you receive a remittance, you receive money from someone outside of, of Cuba and you speak out against the government in any way, shape or form. Again, dictatorship. So people really, anything you say can and will be used against you. Now they're going to have, a concrete evidence, because this doesn't give you, it's not a person to person platform, it's not hiding people. And there's a video of of Eric saying that, yeah, if you want privacy, this isn't the app for you. So Bitcoin is promoting an application that will legitimately land people in jail in Cuba and possibly death. So, I mean, I just, I don't understand what they're doing. It pains me because I am a, you know, I don't want this conflict. I don't want it in my city. So what's going on? I don't know.
1: The hypocrisy is ridiculous. I mean, this is what annoys me so much with with the Bitcoiners and the BTC magazines. You know, you have guys like Alex Gladstein from the Human Rights Foundation who's out there. He's talking up Bitcoin as this tool for, you know, saving all of humanity. And I'm sure he'll be one of the guys at at this conference now uh, saying how great it is that Cuba is adopting Bitcoin. Meanwhile, It's potentially, from what I'm hearing you say, having the opposite effect. It's really the centralized app that they're going to try to, uh, you know, onboard people to. And it's really going to be no different than, you know, a Venmo, if not worse, in terms of being able to surveil people that use it. What it, what, it, what is their argument for why it is a good thing? How are they saying, like, what is the, the positive? Like, how are they selling it? What's the...
4: I wish I knew. And it's funny that you bring up Alex Gladstein. It is my understanding that this guest was invited by Alex Gladstein
1: himself. Mm, mm, not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> we... Uh... We go way back with Alex. We met him at the uh, Magical, crypto Magical Crypto before he, before he was anybody. He was right. He was. Yeah. Um, he was just feeling out the scene. He was feeling out the room that day, and he had no interest in us. He had no interest yeah. in Monero. He wanted to go talk to Peter McCormick. Uh, <laughs> we're like, well, well like you're all into the human Like you should come talk talk to us about Monero. It's it's doing what you uh, what we think you want crypto to do. Um, Absolutely. I mean, there's so-, so
4: many reasons that Cuba should adopt Monero, um, just the ability to mine it, just the, you know, the fact that it's actually a price point that's obtainable for Cubans, like there's, and the privacy part of it, that's the most important part, right? We can't, we can't say like in a dictatorship, it's not like in America, it's not like here where um, you have some level of protection. Look at what's happening in Canada. I mean, there's no way to possibly even pretend that the Cuban government having your information won't be a devastating thing for the Cubans. Um, So I I just, it blows my mind that of all the people, of all the Cubans doing things with cryptocurrencies, this is the guy that they're going to bring. And I mean, again, there's video of him saying, I was part of the, of this, um, you know, Cuban regime apparatus. And, And the crazy thing about it is he didn't have to go there. So people are like, well, but you're forced to go into into service in Cuba. Yes, you are. You're forced into two years. He even explains that he didn't want to have to clean war tanks and he didn't have to want to stay up at night watching the equipment. So he chose of his own free will to go into the Ministry of the Interior and learn cybersecurity and learn um, espionage. And then he continues on to say in this this video that's out there, um, I will be putting it out later today, I believe, um, as well. I'm translating it for everyone. Um, But he also says, I am not going to reveal state secrets. Says it plainly on this video. And it's like, okay, so that means A, you have state secrets that you could reveal. And B, you're not a whistleblower. You're not somebody who's taking back, you know, what you had to do with the Cuban government. You are going to continue to, to operate. And every... Cuban that I've spoken to, particularly um, attorneys that are knowledgeable in Cuban laws, they say that once you get into this, this is like the mafia, there's no getting out. He's not asking for political asylum in the United States. He's intending to go back. And then furthermore, no other Cuban can do what he's doing. So he's claiming that he's not part of the government, yet the only people that can leave Cuba to come for a conference... Are people that are part of the Cuban government. So just everything about this is terrible, and I don't know why the Bitcoin conference people are doing it, and I don't think they understand think they the ramifications. Yeah. I'm a little worried about our conference. I'm not going to lie, because we're right next to their conference, and um, well,
1: we're the little we're the Minerotopia. We're the little <laughs> the, the island of hope next to it.
4: We are. So everybody better get on that beach before people start shutting it down. I mean, I don't want this, again, I don't want this to happen. People still need to get to work. People need to get to hospitals and, you know, take care of their kids and do stuff. If we block the streets, if Cubans block the streets, I say we, because I'm a Cuban, but I have no intention of of being a part of this or, you know, that's not my gig. But we blocked the expressways here in Miami during rush hour for days because we were supporting Cuba on the island. Again, I mean, just... Knowing what has happened here in Miami and the way we feel about Cuba, 63 years of a brutal repression for everyone that that has had to escape Cuba, people that have lost their family members, people who have come on rickety rafts. I mean, it's just the amount of insult that inviting this person to this conference is. I don't think they've understood it. And so I'm I mean, why they're backing Alex Gladstein in this, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his deal is. I'm not sure why, because again, he's a human rights foundation guy. So what does that say about all of this? Why would he bring somebody who's going to potentially cause a lot of harm to people on the island?
1: Did Alex Gladstein respond to you at all on Twitter? Was there any conversation? (laughs) No,
0: no,
4: no. And again, the Bitcoin conference knows that, that this is happening. It's not like they're... Um, You know, unaware, because at the beginning, I thought that was the issue here. I was like, oh, well, you know, there are a whole bunch of people who aren't Cubans. I understand. We all make mistakes. We don't know. Um, But now that they're aware of it, I, why? Yeah,
1: no excuse now. You made them aware. They should at least be talking about it, looking into it, talking to you about it, trying to figure out if there's validity to what you're saying, which it sounds like there is. My hunch is that you're on the right track with this. It's awesome that you're doing this, that you're out there exposing it. You're on Twitter. You happen to have a huge following as well. So it's not like you're Joe Schmoe just sending out a tweet. Like you're you're getting traction with it. So this could be a really interesting moment. This could be one of those kind of pivotal moments where people's eyes start to open to the fact that you know Bitcoin has some flaws with regards to its, you know, transparent ledger. Here's a perfect example where, you know, you may, you know, the downsides of of people adopting Bitcoin as opposed to something like Monero, uh, especially in the way you're talking about if they're looking to use a centralized app. So I think you're doing a great job. What we've seen in the past is Bitcoiners, everybody, they just somehow ignore it and they contort it and they twist reality, just like we saw with the truckers like, oh, we're seeing in real time Bitcoin fail as digital cash people being completely put in, in in danger and harm's way because they use Bitcoin for the purposes of funding dissidents. And yet, what are Bitcoiners take on it? It's like, well, uh, it's unconfiscatable, right? Sure, they were able to see all the transactions and people might be getting, But they can't come and take away that Bitcoin. Like, what, guys? Like, what are you talking about? So... Who knows how it's gonna play out? I'm hoping maybe we, you know, this is another chip away, and you open up some eyes with this. At least people, you know, the the Cuban, um, the Cuban people in in Miami, I guess they're gonna they're gonna their eyes will be open because they're already thinking along these lines. So that's good to see. Uh, those that are already possessed laser eyes, Bitcoiners, I mean, good luck, good luck. I don't know. It's it's gonna take. Unfortunately, it's gonna take more than this to uh, turn something. I,
4: yeah. I, I don't think it's the Bitcoiners. I think that, you know, like most of us, we go about our, our lives and we don't necessarily know all these intricacies, unless you're Cuban, unless you, you know, you've lived through this. Most people just generally don't don't know or don't care. You know, it's not, a, to be honest, most of us pay attention to what's in the news that day. Cuba's just not in the news. This has been going on for 63 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I it's, it's easy to see how people, this can get lost in the weeds. I, I get that part. Um, So it's not the Bitcoin itself. It's the Bitcoin conference, which was put on by Bitcoin magazine that I have this issue with. Um, Because maybe Bitcoin would be a solution for Cuba in another lifetime, right? In another, under a different scenario. I'm not um, against whatever that, that idea is. I'm just against the fact that Cuban people will have their information given to the Cuban government. And then, of course, they're being robbed of their ability to grow their their savings accounts, right? The the whole purpose of getting people onto uh, cryptocurrencies in these type of scenarios, like in Venezuela, you know, like in these countries is so that they gain their independence. This application is just going to suck them into government. They are now going to have this government coin that is not useful in any other country in the world. How... How is this even, you know, something that's being discussed at a conference that's about freedom, that's about, you know, all of these things? It's just yeah. it's mind blowing.
1: I mean, I hate to say you could you could disagree with me and, you know, you, you'll do more. But it is the Bitcoiners, not all of them. But there's this this <laughs> set of BTC Maxis. Right. And so the conference is just one example of it. And like we said, it's the Alex Gladsteins of the world. It's these, And they have a very large platform. They're very influential. Um, You know, these are the guys that have the ears of uh, the, you know, the congresspeople in the U.S. and, you know, state leaders around the world. They're listening to the Alex Gladsteins of the world who are out there talking about Bitcoin and how it could be used in all these great ways when it has this fundamental flaw that has the potential to take liberty and power away from the people and, you know, give it to the government. And it's Mm -hmm. being sold as the opposite. And you know, I, I I I was a Bitcoiner myself at one point too. But I mean, once you really start to understand it, you can see how it can be misused. Maybe you know, you know, Bitcoin should be used for something else. You know, maybe we should. We, maybe we want governments using Bitcoin, right? So then we can track and trace how they're using their money. Like, sure, that's great. But for the people, I think we want them using something like Monero, so they have cash, they have the ability to transact. Freely, without censorship, without surveillance. And Bitcoin is just not the solution for that.
4: No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, Monero is that solution. Again, when you're trying to protect people's identity, when you're trying to protect them from this regime that is all knowing, all powerful on this island, nobody can do anything around the regime. They actually call it a funnel e- economic system. Everything ends up going back to the Cuban government. And again, we they have a history of killing, murdering their people. It's not like this is a unfounded, you know, scare tactic of some kind. Um, there's over 6,000 documented cases in Cuba of people being put up against a wall and, you know, facing the firing squad. This is not some, some just obscure idea. So this is something that is absolutely life or death. It's life or death for us Cubans. And this is happening in Miami, again, the largest diaspora of Cubans. You can't find a bigger group of Cubans outside of Cuba than Miami. So um, if you wanted to insult us on purpose, this is how I would do it. This would be like the thing I would do to insult Cubans. Be like, you know what? I'm going to set up a conference in your city and invite your number one enemy. I mean, they could have just invited the president of Cuba, the Akanel, and then that just would have been like a big, like... (laughs) The biggest fu to Cubans. That's the only thing that's missing here.
1: (laughs) Well, they could come hang out at Monerotopia. I don't know. I don't know how many of them we could, but it would sure make it a hell of a party, right?
4: (laughs) Oh yeah, Um, for sure. Anybody who's against the Cuban regime, come hang out with us at the (laughs) topia Like we're gonna have such a good anti-communist party happening.
1: Exactly. Martha, thank you so much. We got to move on with the show. But can you if you could you stick stay. around, please yeah. do because then we're going to have open it up to the audience and have other people come on stage. If you can stick around, please do. Absolutely. Awesome. Here.
0: The Monerotopia weekly news segment is sponsored by ivpn use a vpn to help prevent your online activity from becoming a permanent record ivpn encrypts your data and dns requests so your isp or mobile network provider cannot monitor or log your online activity purchase an ivpn service today anonymously with monero all righty
1: all right um you can skip that skip that red one go to the next one could Bitcoin be Putin's economic savior? That's unlikely, experts say. So this is kind of like one of the top stories when you when you Google Bitcoin right now. Uh, it's you know this this idea that if Russia is sanctioned to the degree, maybe where they kicked off the the Swift network, that they'd start to use something like Bitcoin. Uh, it's it's interesting, right? Nobody knows how this is going to play out. Ultimately, what this article is saying is, and you have you know. Experts chiming in, like from chain chain analysis companies, Elliptic, saying, "Well, it's not likely because you know Bitcoin is completely traceable. So, for them to use something like Bitcoin to avoid sanctions, probably not the best idea." So, just another example uh, of where we're seeing, you know, Bitcoin maybe not being the the tool to use uh, when you're trying to do something covertly, uh, even on the level of 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 a state trying to avoid sanctions, you know. Obviously you know we're not saying that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing but it shows that Bitcoin doesn't function well uh, as as digital cash or for these purposes it's interesting to see this being one of the main topics right now uh, what the article does talk about though is maybe this idea that you know Russia would start mining Bitcoin right so if they're sanctioned to the degree where you know they they're sitting on all these energy reserves and you know the world is no longer buying it from them although we haven't got to that point at all in fact I think uh, the opposite is happening. Uh, we're still, you know, uh, Russia is still supplying tons of energy to to a lot a lot of Europe. But if we get to the point where you know they try to cut them off to that degree, maybe then they would turn on their their Bitcoin miners. That that's interesting. That's a, that's an interesting take. Uh maybe they would turn on their Monero miners. Who knows? But once again, interesting to see this week Bitcoin uh being in the mainstream and people maybe starting to realize that it is traceable. You know, I think people mainstreamers read this article and they go, oh, didn't realize that. I thought it was, you know, completely untraceable. So once again, it's getting hammered again and again in mainstream media that Bitcoin is transparent. Next story. Oh, this is the, basically the same thing. Do, did I give you any others To There was a couple of links in there. Yeah. Okay. This just talks about more in terms of SWIFT. If Russia unlikely to turn to crypto, if SWIFT is sanctioned, is basically what I just covered. I think that's kind of the, the major story of the week with returns to crypto and, um, and and you know what's happening in the world. There was another one that I gave you. Oh, okay. You have it. Go to the next one. So we're talking about oh i'm sorry i'm on a different screen here that's why that's why that's that's the confusion (laughs) okay so we're talking about bitcoin potentially crypto being used uh, to avoid sanctions now the other potential use case is for donations so just like we saw with the truckers last week now people are are sending bitcoin donations to the ukrainian military uh to to support them how is this going to play out I don't know. I mean, I think it's dangerous. You know, I think it's dangerous. I think it's great that you can click a button and, and send the money. Uh, you can't stop people from sending. But now the information's out there, right? Uh, The dots can be put together. You can potentially see who sent what to who. You could see who the donors were. You could see how the people that received the funds, where it's being funneled to. doesn't seem like the best tool for um, people that are essentially uh, fighting a revolution to be using, uh, exposing where the money is coming from and then how they're going to be using it and implicating potentially who the funders are, who's receiving it. So we'll see how this plays out. We saw how it played out with the truckers. It didn't play out well at all. So right now it's being touted as this borderless and censorship resistant tool. And we all know it's like it's just not it's not not the best tool for that, guys. So I don't know. I don't know why like people I why why? Why are we doing this? Why are we endangering people? Why are we telling people to use Bitcoin for these purposes and not Monero? Yeah. So it's the same story as last week, just uh, a, a different. You know, s- hell, same yeah. theme, different story. <laughs> I was Googling or che- uh, searching Twitter to see what the most popular tweets this week were that were Monero related. One of them was actually mine. So Bitcoin is not digital gold. It is flawed <laughs> digital cash that was rebranded as digital gold in an attempt to give it a purpose. Real digital gold will evolve from true digital cash. That's that's my take. I think we saw it this week with Bitcoin. Uh, it acted in the opposite way of gold. It acted as a you know a risk on instead of a risk off. Uh, so m- get gold rallied when there was fear in the marketplace. Bitcoin tanked along with the rest of the market. So it's not really there yet in terms of acting like gold. I know we had Mister W saying, well, maybe that's because uh, you know there's certain people that don't want it to be perceived as digital gold, so they're pumping it. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. All I know is it's currently not acting as digital gold it's acting the opposite it's you know people aren't fleeing to bitcoin during these these most tested times where you don't know where to put your money and i do think eventually there is going to be a digital gold and i think that's an amazing use case but i don't think you can just claim that use case without having an underlying value uh, as digital cash that that's my point so I do think crypto will act as digital gold at some point, like true digital gold. Uh, but I think to just claim that something is that without it first being providing the utility of digital cash, I just think that's—I just don't think it's going to function that way. Uh, and then there's, you know, a lot of people liked it, but yeah, you know, obviously you had a lot of people attacking this. You had a lot of laser eyes uh, attacking it. What I thought was interesting is first of all, their attacks were like very just, you know, attacking, uh, basically calling me an idiot without really explaining why. And um, when I would check their profile, most of them were like 2020 accounts, laser eyes, 2020 uh, and like, and more recent. So it's like, you have this, like all these new, BTC maxis that aren't thinking things through, that are just out there, that are just trying to pump their pump Bitcoin without thinking twice about what it is. And this tweet really exposes it. I mean, there's just tons of these like 2020 laser-eyed Bitcoin maxis attacking me without saying anything of substance, uh, just like basically calling me an idiot for making this, this point. Um, but yeah, this is the way I see it going down, guys. Uh, first we we need it we need something to prove itself as digital cash, show that it has a base utility of that, and then from that it will will grow in value and start to act as a real digital gold uh, store of value. is, is my take. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Wad, who's also gonna be a speaker of Monerotopia, is gonna be one of the morning speakers as well. He's going to give the real, like you know, Monero Maxi uh, speech. He's he's perhaps more of a ma- Maxi than even I am. I think he he does a good job at conveying uh, the most Maxi point of view. Russia has two thousand three hundred tons of gold. If they had Bitcoin instead, each of their UTXOs would have been blacklisted and unspendable. Bitcoin is not digital gold. The true digital gold will be Monero. So, uh, you know, agree with that or not? You know, it's maybe an extreme opinion, but. We saw what happened with the truckers, and now we're going to see what happens with the donations uh, to the Ukrainians. Uh, We saw what happened in the market when people were moving towards gold and moving away from Bitcoin. So I don't know, guys. I don't know. I feel like last week we learned that Bitcoin really doesn't function well as digital cash. We're learning it again this week, potentially with the Ukrainian donations, although we we haven't seen the negative consequences of that. And now we're also learning perhaps Bitcoin isn't the best form of digital gold either either. Um I, I think we need to create digital cash before we move on to claiming something is digital gold. Is all, right. all we got? That's all we got. All right. Now let's move on. Let's move on. on stage.
0: It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news
1: topics.
4: Come on down.
1: All exciting, right. Exciting Hello. Anybody else come on up? Join us on stage. I'm looking at comments here. Somebody said Lightning Labs is featured on the World Economic Forum website. I heard that. Uh that's that's pretty interesting. That's that's kind of scary to see. Martha, I see you shaking your head. Did you see that? Did you see that news story?
4: I actually just looked it up because I was not aware. And um, that's very interesting. How would we tie that in, though? Is the question. It's it's definitely an interesting.
1: Well, the the fear is that you know uh, the the powers that be, those that supposedly would be most disrupted by something like a true crypto, uh, are actually embracing lightning this technology, Lightning Labs. Uh, you know, basically embracing the Lightning Network, which is the second layer built on Bitcoin. Uh, so you you know, any Bitcoiners will tell you, you know. Uh, Lightning Network is going to turn Bitcoin into digital cash, and it's the only way to create digital cash is by building a second layer on top. Uh, but those those of us there are a lot of us that that don't necessarily see it that way. They see Lightning as potentially being more not truly decentralized, uh, essentially being uh, traceable in ways. And so here we here we have uh, the World Economic Forum supporting Lightning Labs which uh, created the Lightning Network. And so you have to wonder why why are they okay with something that's supposed to essentially be disruptive to the things that they sort essentially believe in so it's like you know it's just an indicator right it's like why are they okay why are they okay with the lightning network is is really all that is all that saying um anybody else have comments on that actually i'd love anybody that's out there in monero land that wants to come up and talk about that i think it's an interesting story
0: yeah we have uh ian and brazilian raps hello guys welcome
1: Hello. hello hello how's it going guys
6: well uh I was motivated by the comments of uh, Marta about uh, Cuba and I would like just to talk briefly what's happening here in Brazil because we have a problem that's similar to Canada but uh, it's a little bit older you have like a supreme court that is ha- is trying to get control of the three powers here in Brazil uh, over the legislative and the Executive uh, sessions. It's quite interesting because we have here in Brazil previous versions of a CBDC. It's is called PIX, P I X, and it's it's similar to the WeChat payment if you know the Chinese version. So everybody pays with the like a QR code and so on, and it's very easy. is cheap, is for free mostly. The question is. Whenever the the, the, uh, the actual Supreme Court decide that someone is against his point of view, uh, he tried to avoid them to talk. And the first part is to collapse any YouTube channel, and then nowadays they are uh, uh, even they have the destroyed the peaks option. So people had the money frozen. It's it of course in the last year. And this is uh, uh, my fears about the, the new, uh, new world that's coming to us. And when I saw what is happening in Canada, I became more uh, conscious or more <laughs> uh, averse to this kind of uh, repression that's occurring in our situation. And for, for uh, Monero uh, applications, uh, we have a conservative guy, it's uh, Alan Dos Santos, it was a journalist. And it, uh, he was forced to go to United States, and now he is uh, uh, in exile in the United States now. It's quite interesting to talk to him. I, I don't agree with every point of view of, them, of him, but it's interesting. And after that, he tried to receive in Bitcoin because all kinds of money uh, he could not get. Even his uh, company was destroyed with 60 journalists in Brazil, completely destroyed. Everybody go, went out. Uh, of of job and when when he decide to to put the wall of Bitcoin uh, wallet, the people start to checking uh, checking check their 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 public uh, public address their key, their public keys and then start to uh, to to avoid and painting these these public keys. It's quite interesting. I myself have a, a use case of Monero. I try to have some other journalists here in Brazil that are, uh, have some affinity, and I'm trying to motivate them to accept Monero. I could get one guy, could accept. He accepts all kinds of uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, but not Monero. And I have some issues with it because uh, he, he replied to me that, well, it takes a long time to to search for all the, the uh, I, I decided to, to, to explain to him about everything, k quality and so on, but the, the, the update on the k wallet is, is an issue that you have to overcome. But uh, uh, in Brazil, it's, it's very risky to, uh, uh, to support any kind of journalists here. It's very risky, and now in Canada it's the same. So for that reason, I, I, I could not put my face on the the, the comments here. But uh, uh, and for that reason, I cannot send any kind of cryptocurrency for anyone. I'm not a cryptocurrency guy. I just use cryptocurrency to to buy my VPN and to support and to support some some journalists and some people, some YouTubers and so on. But uh, I'm really you, are, of- you are
1: a cryptocurrency guy. That That's what cryptocurrency guys should be. You're somebody that's yeah. actually using it for its purpose. You're not just speculating on it. You're not just trying to pump it. You actually use it as digital cash.
6: Yeah. It's, so so th- this is the reason that I enter on stage. I'm sorry that I'm not uh, open my face because uh, the political views here in Brazil are being uh, it, it, it's, it's a nightmare to be against the, the wave.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. Greatly appreciate your take. So do you see things, do you see people's eyes potentially opening, more people doing what you're doing and trying to use something like Monero for purposes of... of well, I, I am in
6: some, some telegram groups here that uh, we discuss a bit about it. There is some issues. You know, you know more than me about the issues inside the politics inside the Monero community. It's a it's a another another layer of nightmare that you have in every country in this aspect. But you have to be together. And the other thing is that um, nowadays, what are these issues? even Telegram. Oh. Tel-
1: what, what what are the issues though, that you're talking about in the Monero community? I'm just trying to understand what you mean by that.
6: Oh, we lost them. Oh
1: no. I don't know what he's referring to there.
0: I guess, Ian, you want to say hello? I guess we'll wait. Hello,
1: everybody.
5: Um, What Marta was uh, talking about really um, uh, hit me because uh, I agree we need to give people Monero for adoption. There is no better incentive than financial financial incentive. If we uh, say to people, uh, download K-Quality, you will see it's a really good technology. They really don't care. So if we pay them... um, they will discover a new uh, a new technology, and there is a cost to having new uh, quote unquote customers of the technology. And um, I w- I wanted to ask Marta, how do-, do you intend to uh, distribute Monero to um, Cubans? You are muted.
0: You're muted. Sorry.
4: <laughs> Second time the show, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no <I> just... worries. <laughs> Listen, I'm not the tech one here. Okay. Um, So without disclosing too much, there are plans in the work to um, get computers into Cuba so that people can mine, and then there's also plans of possibly donating. Um, Cubans can have access to the internet through VPNs. They, They can have some access. They can do work outside of Cuba through the internet. What they can't receive is payment currently. So Monero would allow people just the ability to, to send and receive it would allow them the ability to work outside of the Cuban regime. So there's there's many different things um, being worked on. I'm just not so comfortable going through them just yet because of the issues with the uh, Cuban government being so um, difficult to work with. Awesome. You know, my, my hope is,
1: too when, uh, when you're down at the conference, also, you'll be brainstorming, storming, talking to people in person. Uh, so that should be really cool. Till you'll be able to learn a lot of things and maybe. I I think
5: on. we we should have a CCS, and I would like to donate to have like mini um, business cards where we would would have uh, like um, wallets that we will give out with a price uh, uh, that would be like a ticket lottery, you know, mm-hmm. and give uh, give it to people. So we should maybe have a CCS for that. I love
1: that. I love that idea. We were trying to think of something like that to actually, so we we do have our giveaway for Monerotopia, the the swag, something similar to that, uh, more so for uh, like, onboarding people we were trying to figure out how to give away actual monero but there's there's kind of a trust issue there there's like no really kind of easy way to do it uh where you could put monero on a paper wallet and then not trust that the people who put it on aren't taking the the monero it's going to be a little bit difficult to do that uh but we could talk more about that you have a good idea on how to on how to implement it uh for me
5: it would be like um you have to trust the people that makes the wallet so Mm -hmm. it should be someone somewhere someone like just in the community where you know that he's never going to steal the funds and uh, having every country uh, donate um, have uh, more even so a poor country where a two dollar is like for me if you give me 100 dollars in some poor countries you know and yes we need to trust the people that give that's the income um, that's the downside and we should also have a map where people can check out where the monero was donated this is how i see it like uh, the the city not the specific location you know and uh, so people can uh, ins- are incentivized to donate to see the map uh, grow and adoption grow so uh, this is very exciting mm
1: mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, reach out to us after the show too. We could talk more about the, these giveaway card ideas. I, I, I love that concept. I love that concept. Key, what's, wh- what do you think, man? What do you think of the uh, this rumor with the Lightning Labs on the World Economic Forum? Do you have any um, reaction to that?
2: Uh, I mean, generally, I'm not a big fan of the Lightning Network just the technology basis of it. Like, I don't think you need to go <coughs> drawing conspiracies necessarily to say, like, that they're a member of the World Economic Forum to say that it's not necessarily the best technology. And the claims on its privacy, the privacy benefits of it, I think are much overstated. Um, and yeah, just the points generally around Bitcoin maximalism, um, I think I've resonated pretty, pretty soundly with um the bitcoin maxi like the 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 bitcoin community is kind of separating away from the rest of the crypto community i think like they're sailing or away on their own like ship by themselves while everyone else is pushing innovation through their coins like monero updates you know every about every six months ethereum is doing the same thing and these coins are like pushing more and more forward and they're starting to overtake like some of the market cap you can see ethereum's gaining on bitcoin obviously and has been over the last three or four years and i think a lot of the reason that that's been happening is because they've been pushing forward technical innovation while bitcoin has been stagnating in these discussions that just go round and round and round about how the protocol is like the way it is is like perfect and it just never needs to change so I was excited that they got the taproot stuff through. That was, I didn't think that that was ever going to go through. I was very cool to see that happen, but they need to start moving faster. Otherwise they're going to, like over the next 10, 15 years, it's going to take a while, but they will fade into irrelevancy, I think.
1: What do you think of bitcoin being touted as a tool for, you know, funding dissidents and things like that. So what we saw with the truckers and now what we're seeing in Ukraine, do you think it's okay? That's a good thing? We should be pushing people towards Monero or just let it play out? What's your what's your kind of
3: take on that?
2: I think it depends in the use case you're using it for. The trucker one was a really bad use case because you're giving money to people who are, like it's illegal to give money to them via via the Canadian laws or whatever that they've said. And then you're giving it to them in a public way as well, which is like the silliest thing that you can do ever. Um, So you're you're essentially forcing that person to break the law by giving them Bitcoin and providing an immutable record of it as well which just seems insane to me. Um, the the government, I, I just noticed while this was happening, actually, Ukraine put up, like the official Ukraine Twitter account, put up donation links for Ethereum and Bitcoin.
1: Um, I, really, I think that's,
2: yeah, ahead. yeah, just like in the last like 30 minutes. Um, you can see it on the, the Ukraine official Twitter account. That one, I don't know, that one is a bit more interesting because it's to a government. So you wonder to what level, like
1: yeah, but, the, is- but what we're seeing, like Putin's going to take over that government, right? He, that's like the goal, right? Whether he's, but it seems like he's going to succeed in putting his own government in place. So now, what happens to all these people that weren't on his side, that were fighting on the other side, that were potentially funding those that were fighting uh, against him? You're now, you're now a target, much worse than the Trump. I would, I, I fear Putin more than, uh, you know. <laughs> Trudeau right in terms of somebody trying to get back at me I mean Uh, who knows there might even be like maybe if you're a Russian like I would I would I would be very worried if you're a Russian citizen
2: donating to like the Ukrainian campaign but I think the threat model would be way less if you're like a U.S. citizen donating to the Ukrainian like people especially because like the U.S. doesn't have any laws around donating They, they wouldn't impose laws around donating to like a cause that they're for right now um sure, so like practically mean,
1: there, there might be a lot of people in Russia that are up against what what Putin's is doing funneling money. who knows maybe some of the even the you know his his rich buddies that are being affected by these sanctions that are pissed off that want to actually secretly see him fail. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the best tool to use for those purposes.
2: The, but the thing is like it's so like I'm not being a Bitcoin maximalist here because I don't ascribe to that philosophy but Bitcoin does provide a really nice way to be able to donate without having to like put all of this KYC information in necessarily like and it does provide an easy way for people to make those payments. So it does, it does provide that to an extent. Obviously there's all of the other information that's necessarily linked to addresses, especially if it's coming from exchanges. Um, But I think there's a middle ground here about recognizing your threat model. Um, I would certainly say that people in Russia should not be donating to these campaigns or people who feel like Putin has influence over them should not be donating to these campaigns. With Bitcoin um, and Ethereum, they should be finding other means. But I think if you're in a fairly safe Western country, which is against Russia, in this effort, it's like the risk profile is fairly low. Um, so yeah, but yeah. then
1: it, then it's the distribution of those funds too, right? And then who's who's it going to? And then are you going to be able to see who's receiving the fund? I don't. Well, know.
2: in Bitcoin's case, that is a, that's a good thing though. like because we get to see it go to that Ukrainian address, which they've publicly claimed, and then see the dispersions from that address.
1: Right. There's that side of it, but then there's also potentially providing more information for identifying those people who actually are receiving it you know connecting the dots when they actually try to off-ramp and use it um I don't the, know the
2: the, the the thing that's probably most likely going to happen though is that Ukraine will send it to a centralized exchange and they'll sell it for I don't know US dollars or whatever they're going to use to fund the war effort so like I'm just trying to break this down into practice like I'm obviously I'm a Monero Like Mm -hmm. and like privacy coin maximalist. I've been working on that technology for four years, but you do have to like break these things down into like what what do you think is going to most likely happen with this money, and then assess the threat model based on that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I don't. I don't know how it's going to play out, though. You know, and it's like, so what? But why take that risk? Like, why you know why not use something like Monero, which can just as easily be used for for clicking the button to send the donation? What's the benefit the only benefit i guess is the liquidity of bitcoin
2: yeah liquidity um like obviously there's more holders and of um, bitcoin than there is monero there's like just more money in that system um to be able to extract value out of people have wallets on those systems it's more well supported yeah um but those are all like chicken and egg arguments if you keep making those arguments essentially no one will ever see adoption of their cryptocurrency. At some point, someone makes like a a conscious effort to like push this forward, right? Like, and get more adoption of one cryptocurrency over another.
1: Exactly. Well,
5: I think at least the person that uh, is in charge and receives all the Bitcoin should at least um, atomic swap it in Monero, you know, and then distribute the Monero to cash out. Uh, In that way, uh, there are no trails trails left so maybe we should somehow inform the people that are in charge Uh, like uh, the canadian guy uh, we could have i think uh, send him a message and uh, for us it was obvious this was going to happen i don't know yeah the canadian situation
2: was very sad and you could see that happening as it happened basically like
1: yeah that that was that was hard to watch go down i don't know if anybody like like you know in retrospect obviously it was obvious but like you know in the earlier days of it would be kind of be like oh but at least they're using bitcoin or you know it wasn't completely obvious that it was going to go south right
2: i i don't think they would have listened though even if you had told them like mm-hmm.
1: th- these there's
2: there's there's not to like um like try to prod these guys too much but i think like they're half on this they're half on the side of like wanting to further like human rights and free speech and stuff like that but then there's another half of them which is like okay we need to promote bitcoin so it's like these two things are sometimes in conflict with each other, right? Like mm-hmm. they want to promote Bitcoin as much as possible, but they and and they also want to promote human rights, but they conflict at a certain point. And sometimes you need to give up Bitcoin to an extent to be able to promote the human rights side, right?
1: Like exactly. Martha, you got any opinions on this? I'm just
4: listening and learning. Um the airdrop solution the cards for cuba i think is very interesting and then as far as canada i yeah i it just keeps proving our point you need privacy like we could avoid all of this by just being private by not putting it out there and i think this is something that just ties back to my issue with cuba you know sure you can use bitcoin of course you can But we need privacy because, you know, in the case of Canada, people lost money. But in the case of Cuba, people are going to lose their lives. So, you know, it's it's just that much more important to be private if you are going to send money to Cuba. And, you know, all of this affects me. Obviously, I have family there, but also I've been sending medicine to Cuba. I'm putting myself out there, but I'm doing my best to protect the people receiving medicine in Cuba. We can't just because we want to grow, like just because I want to grow this organization, I'm not putting people's pictures out there. You have to realize that there's, you know, Bitcoin, people want to grow Bitcoin, but this isn't the way, like, you know, using this scenario and putting people's lives at risk just isn't the way I'm, I'm slightly appalled slightly just learning and listening.
1: Somebody has a good comment. Was, I th- I think what gratuitous does, creating a way for people to be paid in crypto or mining crypto is best for adoption. People then are putting effort into obtaining it and that creates more incentive. Yeah, that's a good point. So he's saying rather than just uh, giving it away, um, give them, you know, make make it more organic. You know, you're not just giving it away, but they're actually receiving it for, for some purpose. Um, Good point, good point. Uh, Martha, did we ever tell you about gratuitous? Did we ever, I don't even know if we ever mentioned that to you.
0: No, I don't think we did. Yes,
1: no. we have this this company that we started. It was basically to showcase a use case for, for crypto, Monero in particular. We sell coffee online. We get it from this farm in uh, Guatemala, from Antigua, Guatemala. We went down to the farm. We taught the workers on the farm about Monero and we gave them their own Monero private keys, paper wallets. And then you can buy the coffee off of gratuitous, and then you can send crypto. You can send Monero, and it goes to the workers. Uh, so you could tip them. You could tip the people that that made your that made your coffee. So uh, I don't know. Maybe there maybe there's a a Cuban uh, use case. I know. Obviously, it's hard to you can't import. I think Cuban coffee into the U.S. right, but. Uh, elsewhere, right? We could uh, maybe get that going for Cuban. I'm sure Cuban coffee is exported to Europe and stuff, right?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure that there's any real restrictions with importing anything from Cuba. I think the real restriction is that Cubans themselves can't farm um, so there's very little industry unless it's through the government. And as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of supporting the Cuban government.
1: Yeah, no, it would have to be a way where you get these paper wallets in the hands of the, the workers. On the, I, don't, I don't know how it's going down there, but they're producing coffee, correct?
4: Yes. Cuba produces so. certain industries. Yeah, they, they do. Right, but again, so. it's through the Cuban government. So people themselves, like if I had a piece exactly. of land, I couldn't farm myself. So I don't know that there's any real way to, to separate the two.
1: Well, just hear me out for a sec. So it would have to basically be getting uh, the paper wallets in the hands of the workers on the farms. Right? Sure.
4: As in tipping them, but we wouldn't be able to connect it with a product that people receive.
1: There'd be no way. Well, you'd have to know, I guess, what... what um, like, are they shipping it out to... I, I would think what primarily Europe is where most of the Cuban coffee goes. I don't know.
4: Yeah, I think the US buys as well. I th- there's no issues with being able to buy from, again, it's just that it would come, you would buy directly from the Cuban government. You can't, people in Cuba can't ship you stuff from Cuba. It's, just, it's a matter of, of working it out, I'm sure, so that we mm-hmm. can find something. Um, again, I think a lot of, of this would work with maybe not a physical good, but I, I don't know enough. Sorry. Okay
1: it's just something interesting to think about mm-hmm. obviously I guess it could be dangerous you could be endangering them if they found out if the Cuban government found out that their their workers are getting tipped for the coffee I don't know maybe <laughs> but it, it would be interesting right it would uh to get some Monero in their hands um That's I guess amazing. Very, I have no idea how it worked. like would it be difficult to to access access people down there is it all
4: uh no um we have connections with people on the island accessing people is not the hard part um it's just making sure that the cuban government isn't aware of it the harder part okay uh
1: yeah well that's that's something we, we're working on it would be cool to tie cuban somehow but i don't know maybe <laughs> we don't, we don't want to endanger people <laughs> yeah. but it would be, be really cool let pull it off <laughs> i'll go down there yeah. give me some wallets <laughs>
0: Will you make it back? I don't
4: know. But I do like the idea of people mining it themselves in Cuba. I do think that that Cubans need to learn to fend for themselves a bit. I, I think that's definitely an interesting idea.
1: Yeah, the mi- mining is great. Uh, it you know the only issue with that is it's not super profitable right now. But I mean I don't know what's the situation with is electricity in Cuba. So is it basically it's subsidized by the government? It's how's that work?
4: Yeah, it's subsidized, and the government also keeps tabs on how much electricity you're using. So a higher consumption would be an issue. I have seen some people discussing that if you're a student, the universities have um, electricity at all times, because that's another thing. Cuba, the electricity is very in and out. Um, You maybe get it for eight hours a day max. So it would be very limited time that they could use it and the Wi-Fi the same. So um, I, I was seeing like different people who work for the Cuban government can access the Cuban government stuff. And then there's probably a lot less um, scrutiny on that. So, if you're a university student and your laptop is just chugging along at the school, nobody's really going to pay much attention. So, that medical doctors that work in hospitals that have so there's there's a lot of interesting ideas. And unfortunately, we have to use the Cuban government's resources. But I think we can work our way around. I mean, we're resourceful people. We'll figure yeah, it out.
1: Yeah, in terms of getting people started on mining, super easy with Monero uh, compared to other cryptos. Uh, anybody that has a PC could essentially start competing and mining and you know, maybe you know, actually getting a, a decent amount, especially if their uh, electricity is 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 cheap, is subsidized. It's it's something to you know. I guess it, at that point, just getting the word out, um, yeah. getting the word out. You, I don't know what what forms or channels or what ways you would, you would do that. Is there any ideas there on how to just get the word out to residents of Cuba, getting them thinking about it?
4: Yep, and that that um is what we're working on with this conference that we're planning is getting people educating them. I think the education part of Monero is is really important. Explaining why this is the the better coin to use and explaining how to use it, um, you know, is is really going to be the biggest challenge. I think.
1: Very cool. Mm-hmm. Anybody on stage have any uh, comments with regards to that? I'd
2: be pretty worried about the mining stuff, just in terms of like it. Cuba, I would assume, doesn't have a lot of the like when you're looking at mining, the things you kind of want are cold climates so you can have natural cooling on like your processes that are doing the work. You want fairly good Internet connections to be able to like relay your Canada blocks back to pools Um, and you want cheap electricity, which is the main thing. Like the, like, even I know like Monero is a bit different, obviously, cause it is a CPU like based farm and it's not ASIC based, but there are like massive CPU farms in China and stuff that are just getting subsidized off like very cheap electricity from like massive excess, um, uh, hydropower. So like they're, they're paying so little that they can compete like at inordinate like prices. So I would be worried about that stuff and just worried about like if people are putting their computers on and not really, the the good thing about it is that like, I'm assuming like the Cuban wages are a fair bit lower than like U.S. wages. So earning a little bit of money can be a lot more, but I don't know if that's enough to like outweigh those natural like, um, things that you're working against.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw it in Venezuela quite a bit though, right? In the, you know, a few years ago with Bitcoin, um, do you think it'd be kind of similar to that?
2: I don't know, like if Venezuela ever had a significant portion of Bitcoin mining, though. Like if you were to comp- compare it against like China or the U.S. or like any other major, like co- any other major region in Bitcoin mining, like it would have been a smaller portion, I would assume. Now that might have translated into more money for them because that that money goes further. But I, I don't, I'm not I'm not particularly clued up on that situation, to be honest with you. All right.
1: Well, we got some research to do. Uh, like I said, once again, Martha, maybe when you're down in, at Monerotopia, we could you know, get you talking to the right people, figure out if there's a, a way to make it effective. Um, anybody Sorry. else want to jump up? Go ahead.
6: Yes. Uh, uh, I see that one uh, case, use case that you have to, to put efforts on is about transfer of money. I believe that uh, transferring money between countries is an issue that... Uh, in Cuba, in Brazil, in Canada, in, every, in India, Russia, Ukraine, everybody everybody needs this. But for the, the low-level people, not technical uh, savvy, they cannot do that. And they even cannot use like TransferWise or, or something like that. So I believe that there is a, a, an opportunity, a huge amount of money flowing from, from one part for another part. I you remember mentioned. in Brazil that uh, uh, like uh, two or three years ago, uh, some uh, entrepreneurs here have some issues sending Bitcoin to China and back because it was easier to overcome the bureaucracy the, uh, uh, of the two countries. Nowadays, I believe Monero has to, to do this because uh, you, you, do, you cannot use Bitcoin anymore and, uh, and have some issues. And we are noticing that the huge countries Aside from United States, you have Canada, Australia, Russia, China, Brazil. Uh, everybody, every one of every of these countries are having some issues with the government uh, uh, trying to control your money, your point of view, your your life. That's that's a point that you have to 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 take aware of.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I,
1: you're talking about remittances, right? So there's this ability. For- yes,
6: remittances. Yes. I mean
1: that that would be amazing, all right. So something we could obviously easily do one part of, right? So getting it to where, you know, whatever, uh the 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 Cubans that are, are living in the US easily zapping Monero down to their, their friends and family down in Cuba. Uh, but then you got to try to s- kind of create the circular economy down there where they can then somehow use that Monero, right? That's that would be the real missing part there. Martha, any any thoughts on that? So like we get it to the point where People are using Monero for remittances, just a quick, easy way to to send some some money to back to the homeland to their friends and family. But then, what would be what would they then do with that Monero? I mean, obviously, then 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 you are talking about trying to build a Monero circular economy down in Cuba, where you know they receive their hundred bucks in Monero and then they can use it to go buy groceries.
4: Right. So there is a community that is constantly leaving Cuba. Uh, right now there's an opening where people can leave through um, Nicaragua. So there's always people looking to sell what they have in Cuba, the little that they do have, and bring it with them when they leave. So there is a community already set up, people who want to you know, exchange their cash for something that they can then bring outside of Cuba. So there's a very interesting dynamic that we can work with here. It needs to be built. I'm not going to lie and say that it's already ready to go, but there is always people trying to leave Cuba that have cash after selling their, their, you know, worldly goods and people who have the Monero that want to exchange it for that cash. So there's, there's an ecosystem that needs to be built here, but it can be done.
1: Oh, okay. So that could be where the loop is closed. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the, I mean, the, the real winning scenario is where you get it where people are just using Monero, right? So you're not even thinking about going back to cash. I mean, that's the real way to win. You get people here sending their friends and family Monero as remittances, and then they're just using that Monero peer-to-peer to live their daily lives. Which is, I don't. Once again, I don't know what the scene is like in Cuba. I don't know if that's something that would be, you know, they would have to fear for for their lives if they're doing that, or if it's something that could, that can just start to naturally evolve and would really be unstoppable like any any take on that like what what's what's what would it be like if people just wanted to start adopting Monero now organically started to adopt Monero for their day-to-day living among each other
4: I think it's gonna be actually not that hard so you have to understand that Cuba's had three major currencies uh, they just removed one altogether they implemented this MLC currency like Cubans are used to this dynamic environment where their money, one day just isn't worth anything. And now they have to use this other one. It's been illegal to use dollars in Cuba for a long time. And yet they've transacted in it. So I think that a better scenario of people that are used to using illegal money and um, going around the system I don't think you'll find one. So adapting it and people just exchanging goods with Monero, I think is is likely to happen once there's enough people that are, are on this, you know, once there's enough people using it, I think we'll reach that point
1: awesome yeah i mean that, that that's got to be the goal obviously that is the end goal that's the end goal everywhere right that's how we get to a monero topia. it's uh where you can just live off of it you know you want to go buy buy steak pay monero which by the way
4: in cuba but sure that's a that's a lofty goal
1: <laughs> if anybody's if anybody's selling selling meat for monero let me know yes. i would i would love to uh let that go and i've been looking for that anybody that's raising raising some fresh organic cows somewhere, please let me know. Uh, I will happily send you Monero in exchange for you sending fresh meat. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> try, trying to get that gallon. Please, somebody. somebody please. All right, guys. All right. Uh, I think we covered a lot today. Yes, we're went. we we're usually an hour-long show. We're at an, uh, an hour 40. Um. Yeah, I think it's a good time to close this out. We had two guests today, which is amazing. Thank you so much, Thank Martha. You Thank you so much, uh, key, key greatly appreciate it. Very, very
0: very late we appreciate them and to our <laughs> our,
1: our people that jumped on stage brazilian rap city and ian thank you so much um, um all right yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: thank you guys for joining um yeah i guess uh close it out <laughs> yeah close it
1: out we'll close it out
0: <laughs> if you haven't bought your tickets yet buy them today uh yeah
1: that's it that's, that's Just really buy, it. buy monerotopia tickets <laughs> we'll see you down there
0: We'll see you in Puerto Rico next week first. Martha, we'll
1: definitely see you. Key, maybe, you know, maybe you can make it work. We'd love to have you over there. But let's let's talk offline about how we could maybe get, get what you're working on implemented into Monerotopia sessions. Totally. Thanks, guys, for having me on.
4: Yes, thank, thank you, guys. Appreciate this. Cheers,
1: all right, everyone.
0: Cheers, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you to all our viewers. We appreciate your love and support. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Live Adios. from Puerto Rico. Live from Puerto Rico. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Ciao. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.